This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. They were there. I am just so grateful to the men and women who have served. And I was thinking, you know, today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and it's actually the day that the death camps at Auschwitz were liberated. And I thought about those brave American soldiers who were fighting in the European theater and were fighting in the Japanese theater, trying to preserve not just our country, but the other innocent countries and nations that were being invaded and afflicted with the horror of Nazism. And it was the the general at the time, General Eisenhower, who went on to become our president later, who insisted that they film the liberation of the death camps and that they film the the victims of the Holocaust in the exactitude so that you could see the horror that was going on and the horror that many, many uh, politicians from around the world chose to ignore for far too long. So on this International Holocaust Remembrance Day, I, and uh, of course the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, um, I thought it would you know, be appropriate to talk a little bit about what this particular holiday is. I always do these special shows where I tell you what the meaning of uh, Labor Day is or the meaning of uh, you know Martin Luther King Day is. And I think it's important to not forget what took place. In actually, you know, uh, the, there are still people who lived through the Holocaust and escaped the death camps that are alive. One of my friends, her father, is featured in a documentary that I plan on watching this weekend. I didn't have time during the week about the children of the Holocaust, the survivors, because most of the survivors were children at the time. I have a neighbor down the hall who is a survivor. So today is the International Day of Commemoration in memory of the victims of the Holocaust. It was established on January 27th. It was Resolution 60-7, uh, and the resolution encourages member states of the United Nations to actively preserve sites that the Nazis used during the final solution. Um, and of course, what that means, what the final solution was, was killing centers and concentration camps and prisons. And drawing from the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the resolution condemns all forms of religious intolerance, incitement, harassment or violence against persons or communities based on their ethnic origin or their religious beliefs. And that's throughout the world. 
The first commemoration ceremony was held in 2006 at the UN headquarters in New York City. Nearly 2,200 people attended in purpose in person. And since the ceremony was broadcast live on television, many more people watched it. I watched it. The UN headquarters uh, holds official commemorations each year in United Nations offices across the world and other state offices, too, also conduct their own ceremonies. Since 2010, the UN has designated specific themes for the annual commemorations. In 2010, the theme revolved around Holocaust survivors and the lessons that they pass on to future generations. In 2011, the theme was focused on the experience of women. 2012 was children and the Holocaust and highlighted the effects of mass violence on children. In 2013, Remembrance events centered on individuals and groups who risked their lives to save tens of thousands of Jews and gypsies and, and others uh, from near certain death under the Nazi regime during the Second World War in Europe. The 2014 theme uh, focused on journeys through the Holocaust from deportation to liberation in 2015, the central idea was how the experience of the Holocaust shaped the founding of the United Nations. The 2015 theme explored the UN Charter and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights connection to the Holocaust. In 2017, the theme emphasized Holocaust education as a platform for building respect for human rights, increasing tolerance, and defending our common humanity. In 2018, the theme was Holocaust Remembrance and Education, Our Shared Responsibility. 2019, encouraged young people to learn the lessons of the Holocaust, act against discrimination, and defend democratic values in their communities. In 2020, the theme reflected on the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz and the end of World War II and the founding of the United Nations. The theme of 2021 centered on recovery and reconstitution. It examined the aftermath of the Holocaust as well as ongoing efforts to address anti-Semitism, disinformation, and hate speech. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the commemoration ceremony was held for the first time virtually. 2022, the theme was memory, dignity, and justice. It explored how preserving the historical record and challenging distortion are elements of claiming justice. The theme of 2023 is home and belonging. It reflects on what these concepts mean or meant to persecuted individuals during the Holocaust and in its aftermath. The uh, national commemoration ceremonies are an important part of history, not just our history, not just the history of the victims of the Holocaust, but the histories of the world. And a lot of uh, participating countries, well, they've established their own Remembrance Days that are uh, connected to events from the Holocaust. Uh, Argentina on April 19th, the day of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising is the national day for cultural diversity. Oh boy. Hungary designated April 16th as National Holocaust Remembrance Day, commemorating the establishment of the ghetto in Munyaks. And in 1979, the United States Congress established Days of Remembrance that usually take place between April and early May to commemorate victims of the Nazi regime. The U.S. Days of Remembrance correspond to Yom HaShoah, which is Israel's annual Holocaust Remembrance Day. I don't ever want people to forget. 
because man's inhumanity to man continues today. And sometimes I need to be reminded of just how bad things can get and things have gotten. I've been rereading or actually listening on my Audible to The Hiding Place, which is the book by Cornelia Ten Boom. And it's the story of her family in uh, Holland. And her father was a watchmaker, and she and her spinster aunts and her mother and her uh, spinster sister lived in a small house in the Beye. And they became part of the underground, protecting um, Jews and others who were being persecuted by the Nazis once Holland was overtaken. Corrie Ten Boom ended up in a concentration camp along with her sister and along with her father, along with her brother and his wife and one of his children, or, or two of his children, actually. And um, everyone perished in those camps, if not directly because they were murdered. Um, uh, things were very brutal in those camps. And the only survivors were Wilhelm, her brother, his wife, and uh, Corey. So she wrote the book, The Hiding Place, to tell the story of what it was like to be part of the underground that was trying to save as many lives as possible and the dangers that they faced, including um, incarceration themselves. Uh, Corey Ten Boom was released from the concentration camp prior to the liberation and uh, continued for her entire life helping people who had been survivors or were the family members of victims of the Holocaust. And she was a Christian woman. She was a very, very Christian woman. Her father conducted Bible studies all her life, which she was part and parcel to. Her brother Wilhelm was a pastor. And she was a very, very um, confused young girl who, when she went into those concentration camps, had it not been for her sister's strong faith, may very well have lost her own faith. And instead, her sister turned her into a preacher, a disciple of Christ who, who spent the rest of her life sharing the gospel. It is a phenomenal story. I read it uh, many, many years ago, and then I decided to reread it on the strength of a person who had read it for the first time recently. One of the girls that I mentor in the jails had read the book, and, uh, and, and it was more remarkable the second time around. And I, uh, on this International Holocaust Remembrance Day, I'm ever so grateful that in the days leading up to it, I spent time immersed in that story. And I strongly suggest that if you never read it, read it. If you read it, reread it. And if you have young people in your life who will have absolutely no memory of the, the Holocaust, and may not learn much about it in school because they are moving away from those studies, you make sure that you uh, read it to them or read it with them or have them read it if they're old enough and allow them to see how there's a resilience in the spirit that can overcome even the most horrible things. You know, subsequent to reading that, I started, well, I reread um, Viktor Frankl's book, um, and Viktor Frankl was the father of la Lauderhead uh, psychotherapy, and he himself 
had been a victim of the Holocaust, had been in a concentration camp. Every member, his wife, his father, everybody died except him. And when he came out, he um, became a therapist and he, he came up with this. What was it that allowed people to survive the concentration camps? He believed it was a sense of purpose. It was a sense of knowing that there was still work to be done and believing that God would use you to do that work. And that's what his therapy is based on. I studied it in college, and um, I remember it had greater impact because there's a chapter in the book where he describes his own experience in, in the concentration camps. And it is profound and deeply moving, and it just helps me to understand that no matter what life uh, throws your way, no matter what the politics of the day are, no matter what the uh, uh, sociological implications of our moving and falling away from faith, God is still in control. And you can still be positive and you can still carry the word of God into the dark places. And if you're doing that, trust me, the joy of the Lord will be yours. So that's, you know, just uh, uh, how I'm going to remember this International Holocaust Memorial Day. And I suggest you do something to keep yourself mindful of the things that transpired those awful years. And uh, as, as the, um, as the families have always said, and as I grew up saying, never again. And uh, and then don't forget to visit the website, download our app, do all those wonderful things because there's a lot there. We've got contests going on and we've got breaking news alerts and exclusive web features. Just follow us on Facebook. You can like it today at 850 WFTL. I'll be- this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be right back. So the Prime Minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, said today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day and exactly 78 years since the liberation of the Auschwitz death camp. We in Israel mark this event by honoring the sacred memory of those who perished at the hands of a murderous Nazi regime. The difference now is that the Jewish people have the state of Israel. Israel protects itself by itself. We are a strong and vibrant nation, and we have built up a powerful state that will not allow our enemies to inflict the very pain, suffering, and devastating loss our people experienced during the Holocaust. And there are those who still call for our destruction, day in and day out. We will not cower in fear, nor will we allow the threats of these tyrants to intimidate us. For this enemy knows that at the end of the day, if needed, we can and will defend ourselves. 
and we will not allow our enemies to possess an ability to carry out its murderous agenda. Are you listening, Iran? We see them on their steady march towards obtaining the most lethal of weapons, and I say to them here and now, we will stop you from obtaining them. And we do not forget or forgive the evil deniers of the Holocaust, which for them, one Holocaust was not enough. On behalf of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, on behalf of the survivors and those who perished, I vow to you as prime minister of the one and only Jewish state that we will remain vigilant, strong, and never allow the Holocaust to happen again. Never. And I get that. A lot of people, though, not happy with some of the things that, uh, that are going on in Israel. You know, the prime minister is apparently caving on a number of issues um, that the liberal wing of his uh, parliament is insisting on. And I, you know, I can only say the same thing to him. I used to say to Donald Trump, you cannot give in to these people. They will never stop. Um, and they will never be placated. They will continue to uh, wreak havoc in your own country. And that's just the, the nature of that beast. So, um, you know, it's crazy. There was a great article. I think I'm going to do my uh, No Restraint podcast this week on um, some of the s stories that are beginning to emerge. Who are the people who did not, um, they did not end up, literally, they did not, <laughs> this I find is so amazing. They did not end up getting COVID. And it had a lot to do with the, um, their constitutions, their genetics, and I like to think of myself as one of those people because immunity is linked to aspects of not just your daily habits and your stretch le uh, stress levels, rather, or even how honest you are, but there are other aspects of your character that seem to uh, maybe protect some of us, and you know, and and bolster our antiviral immunity. And uh, when you look at pandemics throughout history, you can't ignore the impact of the Black Death, which was the plague that swept across Europe and reduced the population by more than half in some areas. And yet some people never got sick. You know, cholera assailed Europe, but some people never got infected, even though they ate the same contaminated food and drank the same tainted water. And some doctors and nurses have dedicated their lives to the people with leprosy, and yet they never contracted the bacterial infection themselves. Two human challenge trials were done during the Spanish flu by two independent groups of doctors, one in Boston and one in San Francisco. They had like healthy volunteers, 62 in, in Boston and, 40, and 50 in San Francisco. And regardless of how many aggressive means were taken to try to infect them, even dropping mucus or bodily fluids from flu patients into their eyes, noses, and throats, none of the participants became infected. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, a SARS-CoV-2 human challenge study, which was published in Nature in 2022, found that of the 36 healthy volunteers inoculated with the SARS-CoV-2 virus intranasally, only a little more than half became infected with mild symptoms and the other half remained uninfected. Two were excluded from the per-protocol analysis, so the experiment went on with 34 participants. And these experiments 
show that some people just don't get infected. People may look the same on the outside, but we look very different in the microscopic world of viruses. Our immune systems look different too. The immune system we were born with is a very sophisticated design. It has all these layers of defenses and it acts like an army, protecting us 24 hours a day, seven days a week against viruses and bacteria. Because viruses need suitable cells to hijack so they can replicate. And if a person's cells are in a good antiviral state, there's no soil for the virus to spread its roots, so to speak, so that person won't become infected. For instance, mucosal epithelial cells in our nose can automatically secrete a substance that puts this cell into an antiviral state. The substance is called interferon. It interferes with the replication of the virus. It breaks down its protein, its enzymes, and its RNA so that the virus can't survive in these cells. And going deeper, there are a variety of immune cells, such as NK cells, the natural killer cells, and, and lymphocytes and microphages. Each cell is like a soldier. It possesses all these uh, particular skills to fight viruses. Even if you become infected, if your immune system is strong, you only get mildly sick and then you quickly recover. So I, I think I'm gonna do a whole No Restraint podcast on it. It was a great article by a Dr. Uh, Yuhang Dong, a medical doctor who is in China. She is now the chief science officer and co-founder of the Swiss biotech company. And uh, she talks about why some people simply don't get COVID. You know, I was talking today with a, a video conferencing with uh, women who are in quarantine in the Broward County uh, facility because there's a COVID outbreak. And yet some of the girls didn't get it. And I, you know, I'm one of those people who I'm not, I hate to jinx myself and I hate to even bring it up, but, you know, I have been surrounded by people who have had COVID-19, um, some extremely close to me, and not contracted it myself. I believe that I have a natural immunity to a lot of these diseases. And for that, I just tell the Lord, thank you. And you can develop a, a better healthy attitude about these things as well. Uh, don't forget, we have some special contests going on. You go to the website, 850WFTL. we got tickets to Duncan Theater. We've got uh, melting pot gift certificates and uh, tickets to Artie Gras as well. So go to the website, 850WFTL.com. I'll be right back. All right, we, um, we're going to try and get a hold of Derek, but no promises. It's been extremely crazy in Hollywood and Los Angeles. I mean, I say crazy, I mean crazy. Um, but if he calls, we'll have a chance to talk with him. I did want to uh, talk about New Zealand because I have a, a listener in New Zealand who I have grown um, to respect a lot. We went through COVID together is what it feels like, and we shared a lot of information. She's a nurse, uh, home health care, and she was just forced into these horrible decisions and uh, she held fast and she showed remarkable courage and so we started communicating um you know through email so when i saw the uh, prime minister uh step down the other day or or call it quits whatever you, however you want to describe what she announced um i mean could there be a more perfect person there she was at davos uh 
um, and she was the youngest woman on the whole world stage, right? And she's really very good looking, and she brought her three-month-old baby to the UN General Assembly, and of course the press went wild. Outside of New Zealand, everybody loves her. You know, everybody loves her handsome fiance, or as I prefer to refer to him, her baby daddy. She dresses great. She was the first Kiwi prime minister to march in a gay pride parade. You know, she's got all this, uh, you know, stuff going on. Um, Maureen Dowd of the New York Times said, uh, Lady of the Rings, Jacinda Rules, uh, Vogue, of course, crowd her, you know, they, they couldn't stop fawning over her. They called her the anti-Trump. But so everybody, you know, in America loved this uh, leader. Not everybody, but a lot of people did. The warm feeling did not extend to her own citizens. Nope. The polls in New Zealand saw her Labor Party approval ratings in the low 30s. Sound familiar, Joe Biden? And so she had an election coming up in October. She just pulled the plug. It's cowardly, really. She just resigned. I know what this job takes, and I know, know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. These are cowardly people. That's all I'm going to tell you, right? You know, then the Washington Post said, oh, it's sexism, sexism dogged her tenure. Uh, battling it is part of her legacy. Oh, nonsense, you know? what? Think of all the things that dogged Donald Trump's life and, and his ability to govern. And what did he do? He doubled down. He said, I'll do it again if you give me a chance. I mean, never mind that New Zealand implemented some of the most draconian COVID policies in the world outside of China. Never mind that they have gang violence growing in the country, a country that used to be paradise, or that inflation there is 7.2%. So she said, uh, I know there'll be much discussion in the aftermath of this decision as to what the so-called real reason was. I can tell you that what I'm sharing today is it. She said the reason is that she wanted to finally get married and needed time to plan the wedding. What? Does that... You know, that's why this whole, uh, you know, so-called, oh, she's a champion for feminism. No, 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 no. Uh, real feminists like me, they have careers, they go to school, they have babies, they get, well, first they get married, then they have babies, not the other way around. But, you know, to, to herald her as like, oh, some great uh, example of feminism, and then to have her say, well, I can't plan my wedding if I am, you know, if I'm leading in the nation. <laughs> like, Really? How does that work? I mean, we had a uh, we have a congresswoman who who is confined to a wheelchair, had a baby, and still served. Not that I'm a big fan of Tammy Duckworth, but you got to say she's a better example of uh, you know a feminist than Arden is. But you'll never hear that from you know from the media. Certainly not the uh, media members that are all. All they want is for you to march in a gay pride parade. If you do that, then you're great. If you don't do that, then they want no part of you. That's the that's the truth. And we get it. We don't like it, but we definitely get it. And so um, I, I, there are days when I watch what is going on, and I'm I'm stunned at how you really are not allowed to know the truth until somebody and generally it's somebody who is conservative, starts clanging 
their bells and saying like, well, wait a minute, can we, uh, can we see like the video of, uh, Paul Pelosi's arrest, you know, just, just asking or, or his attack, not his arrest, but the attack. And when the police showed up and they're about to release that. And I can tell you there's going to be some, uh, some serious discussions to take place after that. Okay. And that's okay. It's time to have those serious discussions because, you know, the uh, senator, the Republican Senator Josh Hawley introduced the Pelosi Act, which prevents uh, elected leaders from owning Securities and Investments Act, which seeks to bar lawmakers and their spouses from trading stocks on which the officials have privileged information which is a pretty straightforward dig at Nancy Pelosi, the former House Speaker, who was caught trading stocks based on insider information. From now on, they're going to have to, the members and their spouses are going to have to divest any holding or put them in a blind trust within six months of entering office. And furthermore, it excludes mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, and treasury bonds purchases. Any profits made by a lawmaker are also required to be returned to the American taxpayers. <laughs> you know, now, the chances of this passing, you know, it's an amendment to the Ethics in Government Act of 1978, I think, which prohibits non-public information for private profit. It's like, we call it insider trading. It's already illegal for me, and, and it's illegal for business leaders. Um, but it also includes the Stock Act, which was signed into law and prohibits lawmakers and employees from utilizing information gained through meetings. So, you know, uh, it's got bipartisan support. And in the meantime, they also insisted that they release this, uh, you know, this video of Paul Pelosi's attack, which I never could understand. Why, as Americans, do we have to beg and plead for public information? The California judge has ordered that the police release the body cam footage. A condition, of, rather, a coalition of news organizations will gain access to all the courtroom evidence from last year's attack. I think it took place last night. San Francisco County Superior Court Judge Stephen Murphy now, mind you, this is a San Francisco County Superior Court judge, granted a motion filed by a group of 13 news organizations, including NBC and the New York Times, requesting the release of evidence in the case against David DePapi, the man accused of assaulting Paul Pelosi. The evidence consists of vi video from a body camera that was worn by an officer who responded at the Pelosi's home on October 28th, a 911 call Paul Pelosi made to police, parts of a police interview with this uh, assailant, and security video taken during the break-in recorded by the U.S. Capitol Police in Washington. Remember when Nancy had the Capitol Police setting up stations all over the place, particularly when it came to leadership in the Congress? Well, guess what? There was a recording of this. In December, we reported very strict protective order had just been imposed on the case, in the case against the Paul Pelosi attacker. It appears that the regime really doesn't want any evidence in the case to be made public. Yup. But that's over. This type of protective order is usually not used in cases like this. 
it's usually limited to a case that involves like something like a, a patent or a trade secret or national security secret. It's usually used when a company like Coca-Cola doesn't want the recipe for their soda to appear in the Washington Post, right? That's not true in this case. Uh, the protective order comes after an NBC News and local report challenged the narrative coming from law enforcement officials. One of these news affiliates reported they spoke with a source familiar with the Pelosi investigation who personally viewed body camera video recorded by officers responding to Pelosi's San Francisco home, and the body cam video shows Paul Pelosi open the door for police. From the body cam video, uh, it contradicts one of the details included in the DOJ's account of what happened that evening, according to a source familiar with the investigation. Despite this contradiction over who opened the door, the basic facts of the attack are not disputed in the documents. David DePep did break into the Pelosi home. He did attack the 82-year-old Paul Pelosi with a hammer. I'll never understand, though, why the police were already in the house and he had the hammer. Just just asking, you know. And, and we have a right to know. Nancy Pelosi was the Speaker of the House at the time. And if her life is being threatened and her husband's life is in jeopardy, the American people should know all about that. And proper precautions should be taken to protect now Kevin McCarthy and the minority leader, Nancy. I don't think she's the minority leader. It's uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Oh, don't get me started on Hakeem Jeffries. Well, apparently there is now no longer COVID hysteria in Japan. And there's, uh, you know, much less COVID hysteria here in the United States. And there, everybody I know, including myself, is trying to undo whatever potential damage there might have been from taking vaccines. You think I'm kidding, right? I'm not kidding. It's not just me doing it. It's lots of my friends, and I even have a friend who sent me a, uh, a whole website full of important information to keep from getting sick, even if you received the mRNA shot. Because remember, that spike protein has to be gotten rid of. And uh, I can just tell you this. I have had this cold for now three weeks. So there's something going on with my autoimmune system and the response that really uh, concerns me because I keep a good nutritional uh, profile. I exercise regularly. I probably don't rest as much as I could. I'm, I'm hydrated. I drink water all day long. I eat the right kinds of food. And yet I've been fighting a cold for weeks now. And I have to believe at some level that it may very well have something to do with, uh, you know, the jab. So I'm going to be undergoing all of these, you know, uh, proven therapeutic answers to ridding my body of this kind of stuff. And I suggest that other people who find that they're not fighting off infections as well as they used to, and, you know, I fought off the COVID infection, so I know I had a strong immune system, but right now, um, you know, I, I'm struggling with a cold for far too long. So uh, my friend who cares about me sent me all of these proven solutions to get rid of any effects that I might still have. 
from having taken the mRNA shots. So uh, I strongly recommend it. I think that Sarah Westall, um, W-E-S-T-A-L-L.com, it's her website, and uh, it's a very interesting website as well. Anyway, um, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino, and at 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro, and then it's the weekend. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about the rest of you, but I have some, uh, I have a great deal going on this weekend, all of it good, and I really can't wait because I need to forget about what a abysmal mess um, is going on in the world today as we uh, literally teeter on the brink of World War III. But I'm not going to think about that this weekend. I'm going to the movies. Uh, tonight I'm going with a bunch of ladies for a ladies' night in. We're going to you know, talk about how you can biblically deal with anxiety and stress. I'm like looking forward to that. And then I'm going to be planting flowers at the church tomorrow. I'm going to meet with somebody tomorrow morning and at breakfast. I'm, I have like, I got plans, good plans. And then there's always church on Sunday. So can't wait for the weekend. You stay right where you are. Who's got it better than me? Literally, nobody has it better than me. You know, I'm on the air, I'm speaking about my concerns and my friend who's trying to help me to undo any damage I might have done when I had the jabs. And I get a, a text message and, and, you know, right on my phone from a holistic healer in this area who says, it's time for you to come in. <laughs> uh, who's got it better than me? Like nobody, you know, and I know that, you know, and I'm just, I'm so grateful. I, um... There were a couple of things I wanted to talk to Derek about. First of all, TMZ did get the footage from the Paul Pelosi, the body cam footage, so I want to see that. I think it's already up at the TMZ website, but I was hoping to get a, a little preview. Um, uh, and I, I now I'm going to just get to watch it like everybody else. Yeah, come on. If you got a son at TMZ, you want to like have it before everybody else, but I'll just... I'll just accept what I got. Um, but there was, uh, you know, there was another story that I thought was really um, compelling. And it had to do with um, this this uh, human being who I knew nothing about, this twitch until his suicide. And um, I've been looking at a lot of different stories about him since his suicide and about his relationship with his wife and Ellen and all this other stuff. There's a story on, on TMZ today that I wanted to talk to Derek about, about how friends of this guy, his name was Stephen Boss, um, Twitch, are calling out his pal, Todrick Hall, after he suggested the pressure around Ellen DeGeneres' workplace scandal might have been a factor in his suicide. For those who are unaware, Todrick made the implication just this week. He was promoting a new reality show he's doing, and he told Page Six he believed the public calling on the DJ to stop supporting Ellen took too big a toll. Um, I don't know what was going on in his life that might have led him to make that decision, but I do understand, he said. A source close to Twitch tells TMZ it's extremely negligent and self-serving of this guy, Todrick, to assume he knows what led to Twitch's death. The source also found it unfortunate he would speculate, especially while promoting his own project. We're told Twitch loved his time on Ellen and had a ton of respect, 
while working on the series, pointing out he was even named co-executive producer in the final season. As we reported, Twitch left a suicide note behind when he passed, which we're told referenced past challenges without going into specifics. If you recall, Ellen was accused of creating a toxic work environment while the show was running, as several former employees alleged racism and intimidation. Twitch, however, stood by the talk show host and then was made executive producer. Does any of this start to stink like, uh, you know, potatoes left too long in the bin? Yeah. It's okay. We may not ever know, or we may know uh, something more. So we'll see. We'll see. It's just, uh, it's just fascinating that even the, there's politics involved in everything. Um, you know that during COVID, or at least during the first two years of the lockdowns and shutdowns and nonsense that went on, I became like a Pelotonian. I don't know how else to describe it, but I was on the bike every day. Um, and then I was running on, uh, on a treadmill and on a, a bouncy thing, a trampoline uh, as well. And one of the people that I really, really, really enjoyed running to was this uh, instructor named Leanne Hainsby, who um, TMC just did an, a, a, a terrifying story about her battle with um, cancer. And she's doing like a whole, um, I guess, you know, uh, talking about it and doing it online. And, I, you know, I really admire people who, when they're faced with these incredible challenges, they not just rise to the occasion, but they try to use their experience to help others who might be going through the same thing. And so I always liked Leanne Hainsby, and I, I took, I think I took spin classes and running uh, cycling classes from her. Um, and boy, I'll tell you, you know, it takes courage and you got to be in good shape, um, to fight, you know, and get through some of these treatments. And when you do it publicly like this, when you go on and, and, and tell stories, uh, especially if you're a beloved personality like her or like, um, well, you know, I remember when Katie Couric revealed that she had breast cancer and she took everybody on the journey with her and um you know it takes a different kind of courage like I don't know if I have that kind of courage uh, I hope I do but I I just uh, I don't know if I do anyway that pretty much does it for me I thank you for your time this time until next time and my plan is to be back here on Monday at 12 o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember that what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us, those are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And of course, I know lots of you are going to be watching the AFC championship game and the NA and whatever the other one is. <laughs> um, what is the other one? Well, anyway... You got the Eagles, you got the, the 49ers, you got the uh, Kansas City, and I don't know what the last team is, but whoever they are, whoever you're cheering for, I wish you good luck. As for me, I won't watch any of it.
God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.